0: Are you conscious of your addiction, refuse to be defined by it, not satisfied with living your life on the surface? Are you drawn to deeper meaning and purpose and believe that it's possible to grow through your addiction to experience true freedom? Well, welcome home. Share the journey from addiction to freedom with your host, Michael Gregory. Welcome back to another episode of Addiction to Freedom, and if you've been following some of my solo episodes from the last the last few, you'll notice that I've been talking a lot about addiction, and at this time I'd like to build on that. I'd like to go further and and talk a, a little bit about freedom. And again, I'll just say these are just some work in progress thoughts and understandings that I'm exploring. I just think it might be interesting for you to have a think. So, when we talk about freedom, I mean, I guess I'm interested in this because, you know, addiction essentially is an experience of a lack of freedom, isn't it? It's where you end up doing something that you may want to, you may just you know, think you want to do that in, in in the short term, but in the long term it turns out to be no good for you. And then you really want to stop doing that, but you find you can't. So that's, that's the lack of freedom part. So what, let's talk, let's just jump forward and talk about, well, what are we talking about when we say freedom? And I guess there's a couple of ways to look at this. I mean, one way is to say, you know, look at it conceptually, as in, we can approach the problem using our conceptual faculty and I'll do that in a minute. And the other way is to approach the problem by experiencing. So let's start conceptually and, and, mo- and this is the way most mostly we do it, isn't it? When we think about freedom, we, you know most often the answer to what is freedom I hear is, well, it's being able to do whatever you want to do and that might turn into having enough money to do whatever you want to do or having enough time to do whatever you want to do or not being constrained by certain restrictions and laws and things like that so that you can do whatever you want to do. And I guess that's a workable definition in, to some extent, but I think it has its problems. And let's look at that. So I'll say it again slowly. To be able to do or have, let's say, whatever I want whenever I want to do it. You know, no constraints. So the, for me, the key words there are I and want i mean because if if there was no i there'd be no want and if there was no want but there was i there'd be nothing lacking yeah if there was no desire there'd be nothing unfulfilled therefore a sense of freedom so it seems that our everyday consideration of freedom is really bound up with this default starting point of I want. And I think this is really sets us up for failure in the sense of setting us up for an experience of not being able to do or have whatever we want. Because it's actually not true, is it? You You can't always experience or have whatever you conceive of. Because a want is a kind of a conception, isn't it? It's it's conceiving of something, imagining something that's perhaps not here now. And then saying, I want that to be here, I want to have that. And and then freedom equaling being able to instantly get or have that without any resistance. But we know with the world of phenomena that that's not not always possible. What if I always only ever want to have sunny days (laughs) or great waves? Well, that doesn't always happen. Not everything is conforming to my conceptual wants. So that really is a problem that the, the wanting, where the wanting doesn't align with what is, then... It's like we're digging ourselves a hole and jumping into it. The want cannot be always fulfilled. So I think that this definition of, you know, being able to have or do or be whatever you want to be or have or do, just it's not a really workable understanding of freedom simply because the world of phenomena, even our bodies, even our thoughts, even our feelings, they're all changing all the time. And just because we conceive of something, just we we imagine, oh, I'd really like to have chocolate ice cream, which I wouldn't <laughs> actually anyway because I've got too much sugar, but, but let's say I really, really wanted to have chocolate ice cream and, and it just wasn't available, then that could be considered a lack of freedom from this definition. So I think that the wanting is, in a way, creating a lack of freedom you see what I mean? If we, there was no wanting, there'd be nothing that was unfulfilled. I'll say it again. If there was no wanting, there'd be nothing unfulfilled. In other words, there'd be no concept of what it is that that's not here that I want. <laughs> so that's the problem with the wanting. But then there's also a problem with I. I want. Because if there wasn't I, then there would be no wanting, straight up. So what would that look like? So let's move. How do we unpack that? How do we say if there was no I? Does that mean that I don't exist? So one way to think of that is that if my, if I was dead, my body was not functioning and I wasn't here, I was dead, then yeah, in terms of this body-mind, there would be no wanting. I'm not really talking about that. I think freedom freedom, is not just for dead people, right? <laughs> well, maybe it is, I don't know. But but I think, we, I think it's possible for us to have a, a more freedom while we're alive. So how could that be? So we know that it's, it's somehow to the absence of wanting and we know that if there was no I, there would be an absence of wanting. I mean, the other idea is that, yes, there could be I, me, but if my wants and desires continually conform to what is, then there would be no lack. So if I had such a fluid appreciation of what is, and if something was not available, I I just saw that as a concept and that desire and, and and let it go. But that's not kind of not how desires work, is it? Because we get attached to them, don't we? Our awareness gets attached to them. They're not just thoughts coming and going. We somehow get attached to these, these desires, these wants. So what's going on there? Well, I think a big part of what's going on is, is we have this, we want good experiences we want pleasure and we don't want pain and and i think this is kind of hardwired into us you know if we talk fight or flight i mean that's a that's a way of getting rid of pain isn't it or avoiding pain either fighting the danger or running away from it flying fight flight or flight fight or flight and this is something that just happens isn't it instantly it's it's a subconscious reaction it's it's really, it's our brain has kind of put that on autopilot. And so let's say that, let's take addiction, for example. Let's say I, I I want a cigarette, but I can't have one. So then the subconscious sees that as a potential danger that there's going to be suffering and pain in the future and it starts to create fight or flight, which is kind of an anxiety, a panic. And so that desire that for that cigarette is now... I'm now having this reaction that's seemingly happening automatically that I can't control. So so it's not want and there could be an, an, another one too like this you could really want to have something that's pleasurable and you just can't get it out of your mind. And again this is hardwired into us as well. So getting rid of wants or existing without there's not so easy as it sounds. And I don't think there's anything really wrong with wanting. It's just whether it confirm conforms to what's available. In other words, if it's if you want something that's not available, then you start going into fight or flight or or FOMO, you know, fear of missing out and having this kind of angst and this depression or this irritability. I mean that's an experience of, it. that's not freedom. That's a lack of freedom, isn't it? So it's not so easy to, to get rid of or deal with these desires if we just think of it conceptually or look at it conceptually, even though it makes sense that if we didn't have desires, then there would be nothing lacking. So a lot of therapy actually, I think, tries to deal with our lack of freedom, which ends up in some form of suffering like I just described, through dealing with this area, you know, our wants, our thoughts, our beliefs. And if we, let's look at that because often our wants are really tied up with our beliefs, aren't they? For example, I I might want a certain amount of money because I believe that I need that in order to have certain things, which I believe I need. <laughs> so, so so, those beliefs, what are they? Well, we talked about that in the previous episode where we said that beliefs are kind of bundles of thoughts that our awareness is attached to and, may, and taken as part of ourself. Like I need this amount of money so that I can have these other things or that let's say I'm a good person you know and i believe this and it's part of me and but what if i'm somehow ignorant and and out of ignorance hurt someone that's not good so these beliefs these bundles of thoughts that we've taken on as our own as part of ourselves they can get in the way of freedom as well can't they particularly when they don't align with what is what's happening so how can we deal with, I mean, and oh, how can we deal with these beliefs? How can we deal with these wants? Well, well, one way would be to try and replace beliefs that are not conforming to what is with beliefs that are conforming to what is. In other words, digging up false beliefs, having a look at them, seeing if they're true or not, and then trying to focus on taking on the new belief, the, the, the true belief. That, that's also, I mean, yes, that's possible, but it's also, and I recommend it, but it's also doesn't necessarily mean that the the, the negative or false belief disappears straight away. It's, it's kind of like one set of bundle of thoughts that we've taken on conflicting with another bundle of thoughts that we've taken on. And that can create confusion within us. And and this inner conflict, this inner turmoil, even on a subtle level. And that in itself is a lack of freedom, isn't it? So I'm wondering if there's another way to look at freedom, other than what I would call the conceptual approach, which is looking at what I want, which is really what I've just tried to unpack there. But let's look at it from another point of view. Let's look at freedom from the point of view of experience. So so we've said that beliefs, desires, me, all of that is something that I conceive of. I, in my awareness, isn't it? I have these thoughts. I take them on as part of me. I have these beliefs. I have these things that I want to happen, these or not don't want to happen, which are essentially beliefs, and 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 that can generate fight or flight or FOMO. I have this view of myself that I am this, I'm that, um, and a lot of these things happen on autopilot and and it's all well and good when all of that conceiving conforms to what is, but the lack of freedom is when the when when all of that does not conform to what is, and we have to constantly adjust. so what if? And and in a way, so so that to me, that definition of, you know, having or doing or being whatever you want to, whatever you want without any restriction, that just is a, it's kind of doomed to failure because of all the understanding that I've just unpacked is just not a constant stable way to experience or have freedom, is it? So, so let's look at it now from an experiential point of view. Let's look at, so we could start with, we could start with, with desires but we've already said that desire, experienced in desire is really based on our experience of ourselves, and, and me as an entity, the focal point of, of the one who wants things, right? And in a sense, what is that one who wants things? What is that one who wants things? I mean, am I... The one who wants? Well, if I can observe myself wanting, then surely more I'm more the one who is observing. And uh, observing is in a sense a, a function of a, or, or inherent aspect of awareness, isn't it? So if I'm as awareness observing the wanting going on or the fight or flight or the FOMO then I'm essentially not entirely the one who is wanting. I'm more than that, aren't I? Because I'm I'm the one who's observing that. I'm the one who's aware of that. So if we then try experience ourselves as awareness, if we can sit with that, one of the things we notice is that there is an absence of desire straight away. It's only when the awareness gets attached to bundles of thought, beliefs, desires, that the shadow of that attachment arises, which is lack if it's not fulfilled. And even if it is fulfilled, there's still a gap in time when it's not fulfilled and there'd be a lack then, right? But if if we're, oper- so if our awareness is operating at that level, the level of desire, the level of wanting, the level of, of the, the constructed I, the constructed me, And let's call it ego. Then we're inherently in a realm of lack of freedom. If we become aware of, let's say, ourselves as awareness, which is not limited in there's no edges to that. There's no lack in that, and there's not something in the future to that is going to change this. This is ever-present. An inherent quality of this is freedom. So I want to suggest that experiencing what we are is the pathway to freedom. And it's very different to the taken-for-granted definition of freedom that that we started off with which is quite common there's actually no effort in the awareness of what we are and that and the freedom that exists inherently with that there's just no resistance there's no effort there's nothing missing and nothing could make it more greater <laughs> so yeah I really I really think this is the this is the way. There's so much more in this other than freedom, but we can talk about that another time. So we can talk about being aware of ourselves as awareness another time as well. But for now, I feel like this is all I want to say. All right. Well, enjoy and see you next time.